the basis to navigate complexity and chaos um, through embodiment practices, through um, hands-on experiences that allow you to, to see the system, to see the big picture and to navigate through those patterns. Welcome to The Map and the Territory, episode number one. I'm really excited about this podcast. I'm really excited for the conversations we'll have, the guests that we'll have them with, and the potential of those conversations to add value to you, the listener, to act as your guide on the journey of conscious leadership as the strapline goes. And that really is the intention here. So we're going to speak with leaders from the field of human development, coaching, leadership, psychology. We're going to unpack their methods, their models, their practices, all in service of helping you on your journey of becoming a more conscious leader, a more effective leader. And if you're a practitioner, if you're a a coach or a facilitator, or you work in the field of human development or human potential, you might pick up some some tools, some ways of thinking, some ways of doing that may help you become more effective in your in your craft. So we're going to get into our inaugural episode with uh, Lena Berku in a second, and Lena is an accomplished coach. She's a facilitator. She's founder and director of Macro Leaders, which helps people hone their ability to nurture meaningful relationships and navigate emerging futures, something which uh, there's an accelerating need for at the moment, I would say. Her methods uh, of developing authentic leadership and building team capability uh, to cultivate collective ways of seeing and doing and being, uh, all allowing improved creativity and elevated productivity are, I think, things we could all use a little more of in our working lives. But it's the how Lena goes about this that I was particularly interested in. So macro in the mac- macro in macro leaders is a an acronym for mindfulness, authenticity, courage, resilience, and openness. All things I think uh, again we could we could use a little more of, and all things we could spend entire podcast series talking about in in isolation. But. It's the how Lena weaves these things together in her framework that I was really interested in in exploring with her today. And that's just what we do. So I'll cut the preamble there and we will get into today's conversation with Lena Berku. We are recording and we are live. Lena, how are you? I'm very, very good. Thank you, Phil. Very excited. Yeah, same. Well, we're this, on the uh, inaugural episode of the, uh, the the podcast that you had a, a hand in hand in naming as well. Yeah, for 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 context, I've been kicking around this idea of this podcast, and I wanted to check in with uh, some like minded like minded people on the uh, on the name and see if it resonated and. Uh, we uh, we had a conversation just yesterday, and and you know walked me through an absolutely fantastic process for um, you know for for uh, I guess 
divergent thinking and then convergent thinking around the name. So going going broad and going expansive and then bringing it back and kind of narrowing it down. Um, and it was a super super helpful process. I was um, I was thoroughly impressed. So we'll have to um, yeah we'll uh, maybe maybe for another episode or another conversation we can dive into what that looks like and 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 how you came up with it because it's a that was that was your own that was your own process uh, right. That's right. Yeah, and I yeah I'd love to share that with other people because it's really exciting for me to play with words, but also to set context and an environment for ideas to emerge and uh, for a name to almost uh, land on your lap. Mm. Mm. It was uh, yeah, I I, uh, I loved it. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a fantastic process, and I'm I'm sort of deliberately not saying the name almost i find myself <laughs> i find myself not saying it right now just in case i change my mind but hey at the time of recording the the the, the name that the name that we're talking about here is uh, the map and the territory for the podcast i think that kind of suits what we're uh, what we're trying to do here which is explore both um with with guests who have some insight who have some wisdom um around uh, around human development around psychology around integral theory and things of those nature and um lena and i kind of met and bonded over those topics um would have been about six months ago now something like that was it that oh, long yeah, yeah. Um, so we, uh, we connected at the fantastic, uh, Bush adventures, networking in nature event. So we were walking, strolling around the botanical gardens here in lovely Sydney. And, uh, I think you or I said some, said some keywords or, or some, used some phrasing that, that kind of tipped the other one off that we might be, uh, might be into, I think you mentioned Otto Sharma and then we, <laughs> then we started down a, <laughs> We started down a path of, do you know this guy? Do you know this? Have you read this? And uh, and uh, we've been we've been connecting ever since. Yes, now it's been a, a really beautiful journey and uh, and a very enriching one. I think that I highly enjoy speaking to people who care about seeing the system or about changing the system or helping mm. the system see itself in order to change. I think that it's very powerful. Mm. And I I asked Lena to to be on the podcast um, primarily because this is a sort of mildly selfish vehicle for me to scratch my own itch and and you know dive into areas I'm curious about. And uh, Lena, you have a an organisation um, which you founded called Macro Leaders, and uh, you use a a framework with uh, with Macro Leaders to help um, you know help help leaders in organisations and. Uh, in businesses um, transform help them evolve and I thought during this turbulent uh, you know I'm, I'm not going to use the word unprecedented well I just did the you know the the, the, <laughs> unpre- the unprecedented word of the uh, the unprecedented use of the word unprecedented continues in the in the world um, but I'd I'd love to pick your brains and, and explore that model uh, a bit a bit deeper with you and 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 sort of how you came to it, how you use it with leaders, how it shows up, um, and I think I think by doing that we'll 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 touch on a, in a in a very natural, organic way a lot of uh, a lot of areas which will be uh, useful and interesting, valuable, whatever whatever our listeners are kind of coming to this with their with their frame and expectation. But hopefully it will um, hopefully it will resonate. Yes, thank you, Phil. So uh, my 
framework is called Macro Leaders, and it's also an acronym for five practices, which are mindfulness, authenticity, courage, resilience, and openness. Mm. And uh, I argue that uh, together they form the basis to navigate complexity and chaos um, through embodiment practices, through uh, hands-on experiences that allow you to, to see the system, to see the big picture, and to navigate through those patterns um, so that you are leading in a way that truly inspires others mm. and, uh, mm. that feel aligned with your values as well. And if I may, before we jump into the jump into those those elements or those 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 pillars of macro leaders, um, if I could ask how you came to this, and and by that I mean this 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 um, this line of work, so so working with leaders, human development, what was the you know what was your what was your path to this, and 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 why does it you know why does it resonate with you as a as a as a way of being in the world? Yeah, so I'm coming from um, Morocco and uh, I did a Master of Commerce in France and then I came to Australia 20 years ago to do an MBA. And I think coming to Australia has really changed the course of my life because even though I was uh, at the opposite side of the world from, from my country of origin, there was a sense of connectedness with um, the world I never really felt before. Um, a, a real sense of uh, oneness started to emerge from that, and uh, and a care about the the whole system and and the planet uh, uh, as a whole. I think I've been always passionate about climate change, about sustainability, etc. From mm. a very young age, I I, I was aware of uh, the the dangers that were that we were facing as uh, mm. as we were growing up and. Um, um, so I think I have developed a desire to serve the whole uh, that got really nurtured by a country like Australia where um, you are invited to really speak your truth and, and, and share your ideas mm. and try things, etc., like in a way that is not necessarily available in, in Morocco or in France where you have to fit in certain boxes and you cannot go and explore total mm. ideas. And um, and I think that I, I have also found a very fertile ground for mindfulness practices. I have been lucky that I discovered uh, mindfulness meditation and yoga at a very young age as well, because my parents were quite open-minded and my mom took me to seminars and workshops and different things. So I mm. have always been interested in, in mind training and I have come across uh, the Silva method and I was lucky that as a child I I got to practice Aikido from the age of seven um, mm. and um, so I I think that there was an attitude towards life that truly found a volume and expression once I was here and mm. uh, mindfulness is definitely at the backbone of everything I do and um and I believe that um, it's important for me to to humanize work, to to allow people to bring themselves fully into the workplace and to do work that they are passionate about and that is resonant with their values. So uh, um, 
it felt important for me to have a model that's an expression for of the the values I, I care about and, and stand for. Um, mm. So it was interesting when I was looking for a name for what it is that I wanted to do, that I knew that mindfulness needed to be there somehow. Mm. And all the other values cascaded underneath and, and it's good, uh, the acronym sort of formed itself. And, and because I've been interested in uh, Theory U and um, the work of Photoshammer, mm. uh, for the last 10 years and I've been involved in, a, in groups of facilitators and coaches that, that care about that work. Um, yeah, it seemed like in flow with, with work that I have been doing before and uh, mm. I, I feel high alignment with this. The, um, that's a relatively unique position to be coming from in my experience the 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 the, the growing up with a uh, an environment that that nurtured that way those ways of thinking those ways of being in the world most of the 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 leaders and the leadership development or the human development kind of uh, folk that i that i bump into it's it tends to be more of a later in life epiphany they um you know they they had a more sort of traditional um uh you know uh, either a uh you know um a kind of modern or postmodern upbringing and uh, sort of suddenly a light bulb went off and and a kind of call to purpose happened later in life um so yeah super interesting and and you you mentioned mindfulness of a as a as a, as a cornerstone almost or a, mm. a, a sort of foundational pillar there i'm wondering if you can unpack uh for me and, and for the audience what you mean by mindfulness because it's a um often used and i think often misunderstood term in uh, you know in the in the culture at the moment and mm. there's plenty of um apps and plenty of courses and plenty of um corporate training which uh, speaks to mindfulness and there's i've i've at least heard manifold different definitions um so i'm wondering what yours looks like mm, thank you yeah i think the one i come to most often is uh, just the art of paying attention so cultivating mm. that capacity to perceive or to focus your attention on what you choose to look at or to to see to feel etc um, having that capacity to be in the driver's seat instead of being on automatic pilot. So mm. having more choice, having more perspective, having more distance to what's happening, um, being able to objectify your experience, uh, being able to bring that inner observer to really be able to... Uh, find that gap between what's happening and the story you're telling yourself about what's mm. happening like really mm. be able to see the facts and to realize that you have given those facts a certain meaning that that is not necessarily what another person would have colored it with so to have that capacity to to see i think is is a is a superpower but also that capacity to choose what it is that you want to bring your attention to is also really special because mm. we live in an age where we're constantly distracted and bombarded and and if we don't uh, stay vigilant and alert 
it's really easy to lose our center to to be swayed and uh, mm. and to be overwhelmed um so for me mindfulness is that capacity to recognize the signal in the noise for example yeah mm. What came up for me there, and and uh, it's a I guess a common theme or a common pointer in the you know my med- meditation practice is, um, it, it for me it, it's not just the art of what you're paying attention to, but it's paying attention to when you fall out of attention. So the mm. the, the noticing of of when uh, in, in invariably thoughts, feelings, sensations arise, and they 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 steal you away from the object of attention. Um, you know you're being mindful of the breath and all of a sudden the uh the bill you have to pay or the the the, the client who's uh you know uh you know you're having a conversation with uh, kind of mm. pops into pops into mind and that's that's a um yeah I, anyway yeah. that's that no, just, just a just a frame very important point because you are going to lose that attention and i agree like uh once you are able to have that capacity of non-judgment and to gently bring yourself back to your focus to you to the object of your attention mm. it's true like they, they, they say it's like you're training a muscle so it's actually through those through those reps that that muscle is actually going to develop so it's in the same mm. way like your practice is going to deepen every time you you found yourself not mm. doing what you have set yourself to do so absolutely and the capacity and, to be gentle with yourself or to mm. yeah to to befriend yourself to mm that's and i find that framing is 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 key when introducing people to meditation uh the number of conversations i've had with individuals who you know oh, i've tried meditation and i just can't do it I, I i i try and sit still and my mind just goes elsewhere and they there's a there's a a self-judgment there there's a i'm not doing it correctly I, i'm bad at this mm-hmm. and, and therefore i should stop doing it and you know really the the opportunity there is the more you get distracted and the more you notice that the 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 more um the more repetition you're you're doing the more the more practice you're you're getting into your practice so mm-hmm. you probably end up progressing faster um i wanted to uh, I've, I've been thinking about this concept of of mindfulness as almost a a gateway drug to a developmental drive in organ in uh, individuals and by that i mean it it seems like the accessible um uh it seems like the um accepted and and kind of sort of semi understood practice for for a lot of people now but once you start paying attention to uh to to the self and 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 hopefully to the um you know to the to the to the witness of the self as so the you know okay there's thoughts and then who's watching the thinker of the thoughts and we can go mm. down that whole rabbit hole um mm. but but it but it, it opens up that rabbit hole and once you start paying attention to your thoughts and feelings emerging you you start mm. to realize that you're not choosing which thoughts and feelings emerge and mm. if if you spend a second sitting with that you it becomes obvious that there's a there's something underneath the experience you thought you were having in the world and for the curious amongst us um, and my experience again working with people and introducing mindfulness to individuals and leaders is that can be the catalyst that kicks off the curiosity and that developmental drive which can lead them to um, to exploring different different facets of development and different practices and, and I'm just wondering if 
a that's your experience as well and b if that was kind of an intentional um aspect of of macro leaders into in sort of sneaking sneaking that in and well not sneaking it in you're quite explicit about it but uh bringing that to the table with with that purpose or am i um am i kind of uh going down the wrong wrong path with that no no absolutely not going on the wrong path i think that it makes a lot of sense to me and and yes it is also the core of what i do like that capacity to to question your thoughts or your beliefs like to actually realize that you are not your mm. thoughts and you're not your beliefs and that whatever you may have hold uh, held as true so far like um to be able to dislodge that or to create a, that that sense of doubt um mm. is very healthy because yes it does open uh, so many new doors and uh it's like a, yeah a bit of a pandora box once mm. you um start uh, shaking those very strongly held beliefs but it can also be extraordinarily liberating um, mm. because uh, there's so many layers of that onion to, to peel and it's never ending so it can become um, um, a lifelong quest and I think it's mine as well like to, to mm. like, and it's it's an unconscionable trust but it's also uh, I find a highly and enjoyable journey of mm. discovery, eternal discovery. Like I, I don't think I can get bored or stuck with it personally. And uh, I find the ride really pleasurable. Like it, 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 there can be discomfort, but I'm, I'm now learned to appreciate it and embrace it. And I think that, yeah, it gives definitely more quality to my life and, and much more depth. Mm. And I think that that is always available to everyone as well who wants to live a, a life where, worth living, a life well lived, a, a mm. meaningful life, a purposeful life. I, I would agree with that, and and that's that that was my experience as well. And I remember a long time ago um, being in some coach training, and it was. Um, it was a very transformative experience. It was a lot of people having a lot of personal personal breakthroughs and realizations during the during the training, which was um, which was fantastic. And the, there were really sort of two flavors of experience there. Well, obviously more than two, but for the purposes of this, there, there were those that really lent into and embraced. And when they when they kind of um, you know the scales fell away from from a, a part of their life uh, from their eyes and and the the subject became object and they were able to look at the uh you know look at the thing and go oh my god i've been doing that my entire life and i i didn't know i was doing it i didn't know i was running myself that way um there was a there was a deep joy there and a deep curiosity yeah. and f and for others it was a it was a it was a terrifying experience it was it was it was tears and it there was there was there was kind of you know the um the the ego fearing its own death or, or death of part of it mm. and i'm wondering i'm I, I it's it's always fascinated me what the difference is in the in the in the kind of experience of or what the if there's a common characteristic with individuals who who lean into and embrace that 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 peeling away of the onion versus those who um who who see it as a as a, as a painful exercise and uh, you you uh, you know it might not be something you've you've kind of explored a lot but um it's it, it's been on my mind yeah in my experience it's it's people who may have experienced trauma of any sort um mm. 
that might be uh, more open to this work actually because they say it's also uh, through the cracks that the light gets in so I think mm. that is uh, through life difficulties and struggles and uh, uh, what Petra King calls uh, uh, one of the big D's you know like it can be that, uh, divorce or depression or uh, mm. uh, drama or some yeah so um that people experience some sort of pain or suffering or stuckness or, and, and they might go into a fight or flight or freeze or, as you said this morning, please. <laughs> and <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and um, um, I guess once you realize that you are not just this construct or this image that you have had of yourself that that one way to transcend that pain is to actually realize that that you're more than that then and to move out of that victimhood or that mm. that small narrow-minded mentality or that um as you as i heard you talk about that that sense of being at effect and and um um you start empowering yourself and wanting to include and transcend what has happened or make meaning out of it or rise above it and and mm. and you start becoming more attracted to to work that allows you to uh i guess to move out of struggle to uh to conquer your fears to face your demons to uh to move into transformation and and um it's really that that sense of uh uh the transformation that the caterpillar goes through to mm. become the butterfly like sometimes mm. you have to dissolve everything that you knew and that you were in order to find your wings so um yeah mm. i think that um it might be a doorway. It may not be the the only the only doorway or the only gateway because I think that uh, there are people who are drama free who may have mm. also been uh, finding joy in this work simply because it does make life more colorful. Like I think mm. that it's really the, that that same sense as moving from uh, black and white TV to 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 color. You know, like mm. once you. Over all the colors that are there to be seen and, and you realize that 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 you have a full spectrum to play with uh, it's really hard to go back to a, a very binary small world and and it's it's the same with the um the myth of the cavern like the plateau's thing with the with the shadows etc like once once you have that understanding of that there is another way to look at reality it's actually almost impossible to go back or to want to go back or maybe you go back with the perspective that something else exists but mm. and that there is appeal um in uh being able to see multi layers rather than 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 one and mm. um i think the one layer doesn't stand like it's it just yeah it's just not true mm. so i think that in all of us there is a quest for truth mm -hmm. and once we have a taste of of that truth it's uh it's irresistible it's it's part of who we are i think we're, mm. we're highly wired to to resonate with that what arises me for me there was a, a struggle i had um a while ago with my own development and 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 this apparently is, is quite common and and i've seen it with um i've seen it with clients and i've seen it with individuals before which is 
once um, once individuals start seeing through the veil and they they become kind of aware that they are a construct that they that they're kind of making it all up and that the, the ego is a, um, a kind of a, a fiction they've created for themselves a, a persona if you will a, a kind of series of lenses and filters and beliefs and values and, and stuff that, that shows up as a, as a as a fill in the world um, that once people get a sense of that and, and see the truth of that even cognitively that that a certain nihilism sets in that a certain well if 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 nothing means anything and we're making it all up then nothing means anything mm. and uh, thinking about the the next pillar in your um in your macro leaders framework which is yeah. authenticity yes. um the, it, it begs the question for me um, and 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 kind of having done a bit more work, I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here as well because I, uh-huh. I, you know, I, I, I sort of know where the well for me anyway where the where the path led. But um, that sense of how do you help um, leaders who are who are becoming uh, a bit more construct aware, who've kind of seen through it and maybe experiencing a bit of that uh, that that nihilism, um, tap into authenticity? Because the the question for me was, well, well, authentic to what? Am, am I being authentic to this this story that I've been telling myself for, for the longest time like where does where does authenticity sit for somebody on a developmental yeah. path um yeah yeah thank you for the question it's very juicy um yes um i agree that it can be uh, quite confronting when you come to that understanding that that there is no meaning but um what i find really empowering is that you give the meaning we give the meaning mm-hmm. um you can choose actually which meaning to give to things and and that then restores that capacity to um have freedom over the reality you 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 choose to live in and um and your word uh, creates your world so what you say and creates the reality you want to live in what what you stand for the values that you care about and uh the way that you um behave like uh you know we we're speaking about it this morning again that that the only locus of control that you have is is over what you say feel uh, and do and um so i guess that when you restore that capacity uh, to see what it is that you have control over and and truly make a choice of the sort of world you want to live in, um, there is uh, almost like a natural alignment or a desire uh, to be an embodiment of that so that you truly lead by example and people recognize who you are and trust who you are through uh, what you say, how you behave, um, and uh, especially when 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 there is like nobody around to see it, you know, like the, mm, that sense mm. of um, how 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 much are you walking your talk, and and also whether you are able to check your impact on others like whether you're aware of how your behavior or the words that you say uh, affect others Hmm. for me it was experienced more as a kind of 
a, a sort of just an undeniable aliveness when when mm. when living when living from that place and when acting from that place and and mm. it, it 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 was a it was a congruence um, almost um, as yeah. opposed to a um, yeah a, a, a feeling out of congruence that that something was something was out of place that I, w- I was somehow yeah somehow acting or, or showing up in the world that in a, in a way that did not reflect my um you know my my authentic self my true self whatever whatever label you want to put that on so um and and what kind of uh, what what does a practice look like for you uh, if you were working with a leader to help them tap into to authenticity is that something you're able to to share here or is the or are we going down a sort of a bit too much of a is there too much depth there for for the podcast i'm happy to give you a little taster of uh, of it but uh sure yeah, I think that for me it's important to notice your body sensations because I think that your body really informs you of whether you are true to yourself or not. So um, mm. you can um, notice that through simply uh, asking somebody um, to to say no for example when they want to say yes you know like if i if i say to you uh that no matter what question i'm going to ask you i want you to say no mm. uh and we can try it now and and if i have to say to you do you love your newborn baby and and you're forced for example to say no you will notice a contraction in your body like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. In, my, in my gut right there when i was thinking yeah, about exactly saying no. because there's such a desire <laughs> to say yes of course i love my newborn baby you know like so if you're forced to say no you will instantly feel the dissonance like it, it's almost like yeah. unbearable because especially for the things that you really care about and mm. it and it's the same, like when you have to um, to say yes to something that you are an absolute no to, and it, it actually doesn't work. Like you really, mm. like your body informs you through the, the, the contraction, etc. like that, that it's not possible. And um, so in order to live in alignment, it is about being able to, to truly listen to, to that. So that, mm. that was just an example of your authenticity, because when mm. you are in a you are also in flow and in effortlessness and you are in total harmony in your body your body actually informs you of uh, of your truth your body Mm. doesn't lie it was funny because as you asked that question i'm not sure if you could hear it in the background but um little bodhi was was actually having a a, quite a loud cry downstairs (laughs) it must have been been nappy changing time because he's not enjoying that right now um, so i could i could hear his little cries as you asked me that and i'm like of course i love him (laughs) uh wonderful um and uh, and kind of if we we seem to be working our way through the working our way through the framework and i, I love that i love that um i love that guide to 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 sort of feel into the body and feel into feel into sensations and that's a i think an often overlooked and an often um untapped into gold mine of feedback for for well for for anybody but but leaders in organizations as well you know the it's strange because the you know the the, the phrasing gut feel has been around for uh, and it's common mm-hmm. common parlance and we, we all say yeah. it but I, I 
most people in my experience don't practice it in in any in any kind of pointed or meaningful sense that uh, you know and i think there's um i think there's gold there it's it's feedback that we should uh, you know potentially pay a bit more attention to um courage is the next uh the next kind of aspect of macro leaders and i wanted to sort of get a clarification for you from you there because courage presupposes for me anyway that there's the presence of fear so to be to be courageous means acting in in the in the face of fear so so it presupposes that fear is present and I, I'm wondering if that's the that's the approach that you that you work with leaders on, which is uh, it, with the arising of fear, or is it more on the mitigation of fear that that you know with exploring like through through practices like mindfulness and 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 becoming more aware of you know how we're how we're languaging and making up the world for ourselves, fear gets turned down because you realise that you know what you're scared of is a is for for the most part usually a story and it's either a rumination on the past or a, a projection out into the future which hasn't happened yet so um yeah how, how do you how do you think about working with leaders and and, and courage and, and, and kind of why is that why is why is that a why is that a pillar for for micro leaders mm, thanks yeah um yeah speaking about fear like i think that there's really that desire to see that uh that fear is present and, and to feel the fear and, and do it anyway. Um, mm. So there is that sense of um, recognizing what is the fear informing you of? Like, I think that there is, you know, like some people choose not to listen to their fear where I think that the fear has a lot to indicate to us. Usually fear just indicates what it is that we value. If we did not mm. value it, mm. we would not fear losing it. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think that it's really powerful to be able to redirect our attention once we feel the fear to, okay, what it is that I'm trying to protect here. And, and since I value it, what it is that I can do uh, about that, mm. uh, actually embrace the fear. And I really like the, as you know, I really like acronyms and, and I know that mm. there are uh, so many acronyms here, like uh, false appearances, uh, false evidence appearing real. And there's mm. another one fear which is uh face everything and rise which i really like um i've not heard either of those those are great i'm taking those that's that's wonderful (laughs) i love a good acronym as well fantastic yeah so um so for me yeah there's that working with that's always present like rather than uh pushing anything away it's almost like inviting everything that is there in a, in a dance uh, mm. and, and truly embracing it and working with it because, um, you know, a bit like uh, what Rui says, uh, this, this being human is a guest house. So, so really treating every, mm. every, every emotion as a honored guest, like to actually, it's like, mm. welcome here, you know, like let's sit with you, let's have tea with you, let's, let's understand like how did you arise and, and, and what it is that I have to, to learn from you and then to be able to find ways to, to transcend it or to work around it. Like uh, I, I always believe that there is a will, there's a way. And, uh, and I think that um, as leaders, um, of course, we are asked to do the uncomfortable things uh, and, uh, and, uh, and also to take risks. And, and in the current context, 
of complexity and, and unpredictability, it is quite obvious that um, there are no known answers and mm. uh, that uh, a lot of leaders are called to lead in the dark or to lead in, in unfamiliar territory where, of course, they are uh, asked to take risks mm. and uh, many people rely on them to take, to take th those risks. Mm. Um, and I think that it is very important to be able to take considered risks and to... Uh, the words of Dave Snowden, but to be able to probe uh, and to sense and to um, uh, to run, for example, multiple uh, safe to fail experiments and to be willing to have some of them not work, like to actually know, okay, I'm going to try this and it might fail and it's okay and I'm okay with that because I have created the container around it to be able to learn from this failure, to be able to learn from this experience, to be able to move on, to be able to allocate more resources to the experiences that work and, and, and let go of the things that don't work. And mm. I think that it does take a lot of courage to be able to stand um, in that truth and in that capacity to, to, to try things that may not work. I love that. And business and, and, and the current climate in which reinvention um innovation creativity is 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 a is a is a requisite for organizations that want to continue operating in the in the new paradigm or or, or to roll with the um you know the, the invariable kind of punches that the, um, the 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 environment and the market will will throw at them um there's a there's a necessity of risk taking of doing things differently of 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 trying things in the in the face mm. of uncertainty so um i can see how that's an absolutely kind of core skill um for for leaders in in you know in 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 these times and 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 resilience too which is the 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 which which is kind of the other side of the other side of courage it's the um okay so what if it what if it goes wrong and um mm. One of the uh, I, I did some training on a on a, a diagnostic a, um, a, a leadership well-being diagnostic developed um, uh, by a, a couple of uh, psychologists uh, the, the GLW Global Leadership Wellbeing um, Survey great great diagnostic tool um, and Audrey uh, McGibbon one of the uh, one of the developers of that tool has a real hobby horse about resilience like she <laughs> she really pushes back against it resiliency training. Um, because she has a frame around it that it's um all too often not that there's anything wrong with being resilient or having that as a as a as a trait but all too often organizations use it as a way of um outsourcing their responsibility for providing a um the, the you know an environment to thrive for leaders it's just like oh we'll continue doing what we're doing and we'll send our leaders on resiliency training and they can just toughen up and deal with it and we'll just continue grinding them into the ground um which i think there's some truth there and and i'm sure that's true for some organizations um <laughs> i wondered what your view was on that and uh, and then sort of jumping off from there how you uh, you know how you frame resiliency in the in the context of, of the macro framework mm. yes um yeah it's interesting because i I heard many other people hearing that they consider resilience as that capacity to take on the punches, it's true, but I don't really see it that way. I, I mean, it can mm. be, but um, I think it can also be about being nimble and agile and, and, and like, because uh, I'm coming from this Aikido background, so there is mm. that 
that capacity to do what's called a taisabaki, so you that you move around and you let the, that that energy of the other move mm. through, like you use the energy of the of what's coming at you. You don't like face it and and clash with it, but you just create space for it. And um, and I'm much more into that sort of uh, attitude and. Um, I also love what John Kabat-Zinn says, uh, um, you cannot stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. So mm. I, I also really believe in that capacity to, to move with, to be with, to, uh, to learn to dance with, um, and, um, and also that capacity to recover and to repair, because um, I think I told you I um, I matched the the five pillars of uh, macro leaders with the five dysfunctions of a team, and, mm -hmm. and one of the dysfunctions of a team is uh, is the lack of commitment. And I think that the lack of commitment can be uh, addressed uh, through a practice of resilience, in the sense that the reason that people quit or the the reason that people think that this is not going to work is that they haven't really found the ways to restore integrity when something has been broken or something did not work or found the ways to bounce back. Like, so they, they usually just let go, give up, walk, walk uh, away from mm. the situation mm. Um, because it's already, it's put in the too hard basket. Mm. And with, that, um, with resilience, you also learn how to... Um, yeah, own whatever has happened, clean it up, and move on. So, and it it takes real skill, um, and it takes also a change of mindset. Um, just having a conversation with a friend just before uh, your call, and she was saying, mm. "Oh, you know, if you love somebody, you should never hurt them. You should not disappoint them. You should do this. You should do that." And 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 I think that you know, in any relationship it's almost like um, a, a, a utopia to think that, that you're never going to hurt or disappoint somebody. Like I think mm. it's, it's better to work, to walk in the relationship knowing that I am going to hurt you, I'm going to disappoint you, and you're going to hurt me, you're going to disappoint me. But I think that what will have us stay together is our capacity to uh, to recognize whatever we have done, to repair, to not, to not fall into the same patterns, to actually mm. learn from our mistakes to renew our commitments etc like so i think that's that's the work of resilience for me and i think that's really very really precious work mm. a few things came up for me as you were as you were unpacking that one was um have you read the book the war of art stephen stephen pressfield's book um he he talks he talks about resistance there he talks about resistance as a as this this kind of nebulous force which is the inhibitor and the the blocker of creativity that manifests in uh, in many different ways to um to sabotage the artist uh in their pursuit to to to, to do their life's work and uh, one of those ways is certainly this this um this failure this sucking at things and this 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 um giving up and putting it in the too hard basket so mm. the 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 concept of commitment there really rang true for me um mm. as I, I i hadn't i hadn't thought about resilience in the in the context of commitment before um but now that you say it, it's it, it seems blindingly obvious um 
it reminds me of our conversation yesterday actually it's once the once the light gets flicked on certain ideas you're like oh yeah how did i how did i never see that before that's that seems true um <laughs> but yeah i i i love that i i like i like i like the frame of i like the frame of resilience in the in the light of commitment that's um that's something i'm going to take from this so thank you that's that's awesome <laughs> um and the 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 last the last pillar of of the uh, of the macro model openness um mm. that could be a lot of things to a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people and i'm wondering what the um yeah what what the, what the framing is there what the um how it how it fits in with the other with the other pillars and and yeah we'll, we'll go from there yeah no brilliant but i think that um again i haven't done necessarily that for for all of the um, practices I mentioned today, but I'm happy to complete. But um, um, openness for me addresses the, the dysfunction of the lack of accountability. Mm. So I think that with openness, uh, I'm really close to Otto Scharmer's view of open mind, open heart, open will. So mm. the capacity to really have the capacity to withhold multiple perspectives first, like to really be able to to see things from multiple points of views and and to agree that there might be other truths than the one you're you're holding or the beliefs than the ones you're you're holding and that they can be equally valid. Mm. And uh, an open heart, it is about compassion and it is about being willing to to care about the other's differences and uh and to really uh feel uh somebody else's pain etc like to really be um more aware of the again the impact of your world of your actions etc like to to really be more sensitive to uh to others and and to know uh their suffering and um and open will is that capacity to to do things, to to be willing to try things, to be willing to be in life, to to be able, uh, like willing to to bring your full self to the game. To uh, mm. um, yeah, it it is about presence for me, and it is about the capacity to uh, to engage truly in your work, in life, etc. Like to um, to be hundred percent there. Um, and and I think that with that sort of openness, it is also about almost having nothing to hide like being able to be transparent because when you're open and relaxed and when you allow things to um, to to flow um, and you're not contracting over whatever is happening um, it makes you somebody that people can count on that people can rely on that and, mm. and, and if you have not done something you are able to own it because you're open so you are able to have full accountability to to be able to recognize uh, the part that you may have played into something and um um yeah that, there was also that, that sort of image somebody has given me that, that when you have a bunch of nails in your hand if you're closing your hand uh, those nails are going to hurt more but if you're opening your hand the nails can be there and and without hurting you so that openness mm. for me is also the capacity to hold the difficult things to hold the difficult conversations to hold the so-called difficult people without 
without that contraction around that that actually makes things worse without taking in that that pain but to actually just be again be able to observe and to have things just move like water off a, a mm. dog's back like so um yeah that's that's the capacity to receive and to welcome and to embrace and to include and transcend etc what's arising for me there is that the very obvious through line uh, for me anyway between these these different elements of of your approach and how they're all they all seem to be necessary um uh, necessary but not sufficient on their own to 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 allow for true transformation in individuals um the openness is a is 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 table stakes if you're not willing to step into new experiences new ways of um new ways of being new ways of doing um uh, having having a sense of compassion for self and others um you're probably not going to engage in the work um if you're uh, rudderless in that work you know if if it's not directed towards uh, a sense of purpose driven by authenticity then the the motivation's probably not there um to do it the, the the courage to fail and the resilience to bounce back because the work of development is is hard it's it's mm. it's it, it's it's a you know it's a it's a life you know it's a lifetime's practice for you know for those of us that uh, that enjoy it and, and revel in it but <laughs> it's um it's not something we get to the end of, right? It's, um, there's always, there's always, there's always something, there's always shadow material to clean up. There's a, there's always another developmental level. There's always a perspective we haven't taken yet. And uh, leaning into that requires a degree of courage because you don't know what's around the corner. You, you, you know, you, uh, you know, some people wake up to the fact that they've been you know, living a lie to themselves and, and, and turn their lives upside down. It's like, okay, I'm going to leave my job now. I, you know, I, I love to work with people in, um, you know, mid-career crisis, uh, is the, is the, is the kind of framing because those are the, those are the folk that have come to the realization that, wow, this isn't, you know, helping, uh, helping another big box retailer in Australia sell, sell another fridge is not, is not is not lighting me up and and what else is there so uh, yeah just a just a just a kind of way of bringing it all around to say that the 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 kind of through line is super obvious once you've once you've kind of unpacked it so so thank you for that that's uh, that's a a really exciting really exciting framework you've got there it's beautiful thank you yeah and and I guess bringing it around, I mean, if there's anything else, I know you mentioned the five dysfunctions of a team that um, I'm not sure if there's anything else you wanted to unpack uh, with regards to how the, how the, how the macro framework relates to um, Lencioni's work. Yeah. Well, I guess the other, the three other ones were the absence of trust, which uh, I think is quite obvious that authenticity mm. helped with, with building that trust. And then, sure. Uh, you had uh, courage, which allows you to address the fear of conflict. Um, so I think that the fear of conflict is a very interesting topic because uh, many people are trying to avoid conflict while there is a lot of gold and, and creativity um, in a conflict that's that's handled well. And, and uh, conflict, when is truly observed, uh, allows a deepening of of an understanding it it's uh, i find joy actually when people have opinions that are different uh, <laughs> than mine i think mm. that there is a lot to learn in and having that uh the difference in perspective so um so i think that um 
the capacity to have those courageous conversations and, and having the ability to um, develop uh, the heart because at the you know as you probably know but in the word courage there, there is care or it is French uh, for heart um, so to actually stay connected to to your heart and again that compassion for the other rather than judging the other for having a different opinion than yours being very curious about where is that difference in opinion or perspective coming from like being fascinated to try to understand their inner world their filters how they see reality like i think that it's extraordinary so when when you are able to have that detachment and that that courage to go in that fire um you you extract gold it, it's it's extraordinarily powerful mm. and um and then um the the last one uh, is the inattention um to results which again with mindfulness it's quite an obvious mm. one <laughs> mm. again like uh, yes of course and when you are able to uh, bring uh capacity of uh, attention but also like the, the macro model itself like macro is also about systems thinking and about being mm -hmm. able to keep in mind the whole in every little action that you do like that you mm -hmm. know that it's serving or not serving the whole like i think i heard you mention as well and i really love that that frame but that every action is a strategy so once mm -hmm. you are aware of that you're able to pay more attention to what it is what it is that you're doing or or when you know that uh, how you do anything is how you do everything, you're like, mm. oh, every action is actually a representation of who I am, what I value. And it, you start not wanting to ignore what it is that you do because, you know, like that it's like the butterfly effect. So you're, mm. once you know that uh, everything that we do has a ripple effect, I think that makes us more aware of uh, everything we say or do. Mm. I love it when a good model lines up. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's validating um, in, a, in a in a strange way. In some, in, like, if I if I come up with a little framework or a model for something, and I'm like, does this exist? And I go and Google it, and somebody's already come up with it, and it turns out it's some well-established thing. And I I may well have unconsciously ripped it off from them in the past, but it's 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 in one respect disappointing, and in another, like, oh, okay, my thinking's not far off from something that's got more rigor around it, so that's quite nice too. But um, yeah, great to uh, yeah, that's. I, I love that. I love that that kind of lines up so well with a with a model that that many out there would be um, you know familiar with already because obviously Lencioni's work is widely widely acknowledged. Um, I have I have a few sort of rapid fire questions I'd like to oh. kind of throw your way and and your answers don't have to be rapid fire the the kind of questions are but. Um, the what would you like to see more or less of from leaders and and i'm gonna kind of frame that in the context of what's happening in the world at the moment and you can take what's happening in the world to mean <laughs> multiple different things and you know for for transparency we're rec recording this on the on the 4th of june 2020 mm. um so um you know 2020 has already been uh, about you know 46 months long um in uh, in dog years uh with with the amount we've we've crammed in in terms of world events but um yeah well what would you what would you like to see leaders stepping into or stepping away from if if mm. if, if, if anything at all arises for yeah, you there? No, okay. i think that's a very rich question 
the first one, the first thing that came to mind is active listening. Um, I I really believe that uh, I mean I can say all of us is our leaders, but all of us would benefit from more from more listening anyway, and and the mm. capacity to really hear uh, the voices that we don't get to uh, be heard um, much. Uh, so the the minorities or or even um, just people of lower status or shy voices in the organization, etc. Like I think that there is a lot of merit in just being able to to listen to um, the the system and, and also to what wants to emerge or what is not said. I think that having curiosity over uh, what is not explicit and um, I try to understand what's hidden and, and uh, what is... Um, uh, not express is is uh, I think worthwhile mm. of anybody's attention um, and um, and again like that that sense of being willing to celebrate conflict uh, to be mm. okay with embracing differences of opinions or perspectives and uh, more diversity in your workforce or more diversity in in your team to actually really bring uh, that creativity and that innovation. And I think that, again, in terms of creativity and innovation, it's, it was the same thing, but really embracing the, the so-called uh, risk of failure, um, mm. to stop labeling things as, uh, as failures, but, but to actually be willing to run experiments, to be open to... To trying new things um, and new ways of uh, of working, and I think that um, speaking of new ways of working, it is also about allowing your staff to to have that flexibility uh, in the workplace and and to be able to bring more of who you who they are at work and and to to be able to have uh, a true truly functioning work-life balance like to actually have people who are happy to totally engage with what they are doing um, is very important because as you mm. probably already know but uh, the lack of engagement is uh, rampant um, mm. Uh, mm. And, and, uh, and a lot of people are turning up to work but only bringing you know a fraction of who they are and, and mm. just pretending to work because the, their heart is not there, their presence is not there and, 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 and there is nobody that truly wants to listen to what it is that they have to say or, that, uh, or willing to, to try the things that they know would work so much better than uh, the current system, etc. Like, so I think it is about encouraging and empowering um, people under you to, to lead. Like I think that mm. one, what needs to do is to become obsolete is to find ways to to disappear and and allow mm. others to rise like i think that that's what i would like to see leaders do is, is definitely that sort of work of collective leadership and um mm. and being willing to to enhance uh people's capabilities and, and to bring their potential out um and I think to to be willing as well to keep learning and educating themselves like that 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 uh, I'm sometimes really sad that there are some absolutely phenomenal conferences 
in Australia around the future of work or around like something like Singularity U around mm. uh, uh, innovations of the future or how we're going to live or a conference called Creativity and Innovation. And I'm like, where are the big, the top CEOs? Like, uh, mm. and, and, yeah, there's sometimes like it really it's bizarre that they don't they're not part of of the big conversations that they're not mm. here to really listen to uh forward thinking or to really uh prepare uh, for the future like it, it's a bit scary because um change is happening exponentially and there is i have this fear that a lot of people are still acting like dinosaurs like that they, it's mm. going to hit them in the face and it's going to be too late because they're not prepared and they're not willing to to delegate appropriately they're not willing to really transform their organization or or uh, the way that frederick lalu would would, would would frame it but that's like reinventing themselves reinventing mm. their organizations mm. i am a bit sad and scared that so many leaders and organizations seem to be really stuck in their ways and and, mm. and not really open to change so i think that i definitely would love to see more openness uh, love love Frederick Lilly's work obviously reinventing organizations wonderful yeah. book and 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 yeah. seeing more organizations and leaders um embrace a uh, an evolutionary purpose um and and mm. put that at the heart of what they do um I'm I'm currently reading um The Infinite Game uh Simon Sinek Oh my god book. Simon Sinek yeah 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 actually yeah. it's funny um uh Dave Snowden was was mentioning it in his last webinar mm. and I had it on my top list of uh yeah things I, to read. I, so I, I, I just I read the excerpt about it this morning. So oh wonderful. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it from what I've read so far. Yeah. And what it what it sort of you know, as you were as you were talking through that, what what strikes me about the, the you know the the kind of dinosaur CEO or the dinosaur leaders of these organizations, they're still playing that finite game and and really it's all driven yeah. by incentive structures. It's it's driven by this um, you know the, the the kind of traditional paradigm of um, uh, of modern business, which is the primacy of of shareholder value and shareholder value mm. above all else, and the the behaviours, the um, uh, the KPIs that's measured against a very necessarily short term. And yep. so these leaders end up playing the finite game of, of kind of meeting those numbers rather than the infinite yeah. game of how does this organization, you know, sustainably, uh, you know, move forward in, in perpetuity uh, towards, uh, towards a more evolutionary purpose. And he had a, he had a wonderful phrase in there as well. I um, mean, he, he was kind of paying out, um, uh, CSRs of corporate, corporate social, social responsibilities. And he's like, organizations shouldn't make money to do good they should make money doing good um so you yes. know there's there's this idea of kind of wallpapering over a, a kind of crappy organization that's engaging in some value extraction by throwing you know throwing a bone to 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 whatever or or or, or you know engaging in some philanthropy as opposed to the core business model is is about generating value for as many people as possible so um yeah. Yeah, love it. Love that. Love that as a love that oh, as a as a call to action for leaders. Yeah, no, um, I think that's brilliant, and that's all oh, that resonates as well with the work of uh, Ralph Sisodia with conscious capitalism. I think mm, you would also mm. highly enjoy that, but it's, it's about like stakeholders. Yeah. I bought that. I bought that book at the same time <laughs> as I bought <laughs> as, as I bought the Infinite Game. So that's literally on my uh, next on my on my to read list. That is, that is really funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great minds. Um, 
so just in terms of uh, letting the listeners into your world a little bit more, what do you what do you obsess about or explore on on evenings and weekends? So when you're not when you're not working with leaders and developing capability yeah. and stuff, and, yeah. and this is I find this question hard because like that is kind of my hobby as well as my profession. But mm. yeah, what do you what do you what do you do when you're not when you're not actively engaged in that? Yes. Uh... I absolutely adore five rhythms dance. Um, so mm. five rhythm dance is a conscious uh, movement um, dance that allows you to process a lot of emotions or even thoughts uh, through your body. Like to actually let your body inform you of the state of your mind. And, and there's a particular way to resonate with, with the music that, that's being played. So, so there are no steps. You actually have five rhythms which are um flow staccato uh, chaos lyrical and stillness Hmm. and i find that absolutely extraordinary and i just attended a four days online dance retreat that was going on 24 7 with teachers from everywhere in the world um Hmm. and um and the, the things that stayed the the most with me through that was um, um, the dance between stability and instability. And I think that it's actually really, really interesting to to use your body to understand certain concepts. Um, and, um, and I remember um, the teacher as well asking, uh, are you going to rest or are you going to risk? And, and it was really interesting to have that uh, choice that you can make in any moment. Mm. Uh, am I going to um, to be in my stillness and and to to find that wisdom that comes from not doing anything? Like because not doing is as valuable as doing when you make mm-hmm. the choice of not doing. And there are situations. Mm-hmm you to do nothing and I think that there is an art in doing nothing when it's a conscious decision mm-hmm. and or are you going to risk and and sometimes you can also risk resting like you can risk doing anything it's just a, mm. it's actually fascinating when you get to experience that um, through your body and I and I love actually uh, somatic work so there is uh, another um, modality that i that i play with called interplay and interplay is also about uh a bit like a social theater and uh, and improvisation games um it is about responding to situations and offers mm. and uh and you might be able to create poems adly but and you might you might be um invited to 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 have an interaction with this wall and to to really feel into are you going to resist this wall or are you going to embrace the obstacle etc so it's it's really fascinating um to pay attention to what my body um holds um and can can tell me because i really believe in the body being uh, a doorway to my subconscious Mm. um and i also highly believe and 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 get a lot of rejuvenation and pleasure in being in nature so i love going and explore um new walks that i've never done before Mm. like i think that sydney is quite fascinating because 
uh, even if I have lived here 20 years and even if I'm always exploring, there is always <laughs> a little beach that I did not know about or a, mm. a park that I just heard about. It's like, so it's uh, a never ending source of fascination to me. And I, I absolutely adore either going on solo walks or solo journeys to really be with myself, but in nature and to listen to what wants to emerge. Mm. And, uh, and I think I'm learning a lot from uh, the natural way of being and, and to observing the different cycles in nature and to, to learn to be at peace with those cycles and those patterns and those seasons. Like I think that there is a lot to, to learn. and. Um, yeah, I I I listen to a lot of podcasts as you probably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. know to go out. I love uh, I love reading, and I I'm lucky that uh, I have also uh, a lot of extraordinary friends that I enjoy uh, spending time with and, and exploring life with. So um, yeah, my, my weekends and my evenings are really well filled. That's it. Sounds like it. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. What have you changed your mind about in the past few years? Is there anything anything you've kind of pivoted on that 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 you sort of held to be held to be true? I know I'm kind of throwing that one at you, and if if there's not, or you want to take a rain check on the question, you're you're more than welcome because that's a it's, a it's a sticky one for some. Let's try to give it a few seconds of thought. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I may have moved a little bit from, I think I was very much, I think I came to an understanding of that, uh, of the drama triangle. And I think it was interesting that you uh, mentioned it in your work uh, in prior conversations, because I think I I used to see myself a little bit like a hero that needed to rescue the world. I think I, I really, for years and years and years, have held this sentiment that it was of, uh, to me to really uh, make the change almost like single-handed like there was really the, the desire mm. to really save the world and um, and now I think that I think I came to a realization uh, some years ago that that it was coming from from uh, from that drama like from that rescuer mm. mentality which is actually not healthy mm. um, and and I think that uh, where I pivoted is that uh, because I became more aware of the power of the collective, um, and I think I've done that in my business as well. Like there was really that sense that oh, I can do it all, and uh, and I think it's funny because at the moment I'm listening to a lot of Esther Perel's uh, mm. podcast. Love and Esther Perel. Yeah, she's amazing, and she she talks about uh, how the way you have been raised influences your relationships in later life. So in my case, I've been raised as be as like with with a high value given to being autonomous and independent mm. and really only relying on yourself and i think where i pivoted um some years ago is about being able to ask for help or notice that i will have much more power and influence if i bring the collective with me if i if i'm aware that other people are holding the piece of the puzzle or that if i really want change to happen I won't be doing it on my own and mm. that I will definitely have much more impact if I call on to the others. So I think that that has been a major shift for sure. 
Great. Love it. Thank you for sharing. Um, any final thoughts, any, any asks of the audience or, or any areas we haven't explored that you wanted to, wanted to dive into? It's very hard because uh, I love these conversations and I want to see them carry on for ages. Hey, so you are, the door is always open for a round two, a round three, and however, <laughs> however many rounds of this we need, the, 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 the podcast has no, no current plans to end. This is episode one, so we're, <laughs> we're off to a good start, but um, we, can always, we can always pick up. Um, I mean, there's endless topics to explore and, and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like there is a buffet of questions I still want to ask you and, and topics. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> so uh, I think it, it would be beautiful to, yeah, to bring this to a lovely uh, closure for now mm. with, with a, a high uh, desire to keep uh, exploring. Uh, I think so too. Together. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, where can people find you if uh, if they've been inspired by your you know by your sharings and they want to reach out and they want to engage you? Where 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 can people uh, where can people go on the go on the uh, interwebs? Yeah, thanks. Well, I think the best uh, the best portal would be macroleaders.com.au um, mm -hmm. or send me an email at lina l i n a at macroleaders.com.au. Um, yeah highly enjoyed uh, being here today thank you so much for this opportunity to really inaugurate oh. your podcast it's such oh. a honor thank you it seemed um yeah it it seemed natural and it's just it it unfolded the way it did and the conversation happened the way it did and, and i you know couldn't have asked for a couldn't have asked for a, a, a kind of more more fitting first episode so thank you for thank you for your time and your wisdom and um Thank you. If you've a uh, dear listener, if you've, if you've stuck with us to the end and you want to hear more, then um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, continue this, uh, continue this journey and this exploration with, um, you know, hopefully some other like-minded, like-souled folk um, into the future. So thank you for, thank you for listening. Um, Lena, thank you again. And um, until next time. Thank you. And the next year. And that's it for another episode. If you got value from that conversation, there are several ways you can support the show. You can tell a friend. That's the most direct and meaningful way. You can give us a rating or a comment on iTunes or Spotify. And if you're interested in engaging in a dialogue about anything you heard on the show today or anything else related to conscious leadership, coaching, facilitation, program design, uh, you can find me at philcross.net and all the links to relevant social media pages or my contact information you can find there. And finally, you can help by engaging with our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Gone Bush Adventures. And if you're on a mission to create more natural, enriching, meaningful professional development experiences and events for your leaders and teams, then Gombush Adventures are the people for you. 
With a team of experienced facilitators, presenters, nature guides, and learning consultants, they exist to walk alongside leaders and organizations towards a new vantage point of performance, culture, and well-being. And, you know, the, the ad read aside, one of the reasons why I'm proud to have Gombush as a sponsor is uh, I feel a real alignment with them, the work they do, the approach they take to uh, professional development and leadership development and the setting they do it in as well. They uh, host retreats in you know some of Australia's most, most beautiful places. Uh, so if, if that sounds up your alley, um, go to gombushadventures.com.au uh, and if you uh, feel moved to engage them just mention the podcast um because it's always nice to to get that kind of feedback okay until next time stay well